December in Washington is proving colder than normal in a lot of ways. As Democrats prepare to take over the House, persistent issues remain before the hourglass runs out on the current session. For an update, we turn to Lauren Duggan, editorial director of Bloomberg Government. And Lauren, because we're on a two-week continuing resolution, which we were two weeks before shutdown the last time we spoke, so keeps going in two-week increments here. It does feel that way, certainly. The Congress gave itself another two weeks in part because of the, the passing of President George H.W. Bush, and when he died on a Friday the next day and over the weekend, the president agreed that he would allow funding to be extended so that the nation could pause and mourn President Bush, and negotiators could use that time to try and make additional progress on the spending bills. Um, as we set out down for this week with only two weeks to go. Some of the same issues we've been talking about persist. The big hitch here is what to do about border wall funding that the president wants. He wants about $5 billion. Um, the amount that's been talked about before is about $1.6 billion, and there's some Democrats who think the number for a wall should be $0. So we're kind of still in the middle of this um, uh, standoff over that amount of funding. Just a reminder for the listeners, five of the 12 spending bills were signed into law before the fiscal year began. Uh, those cover pretty big parts of the government, defense, labor, HHS, education. But seven of the 12 bills still remain um, on this short-term funding plan, and they cover probably, if you look at the alphabet soup of agencies, a lot more agencies. So um, in terms of what the effect of a shutdown would be, the big things like the Defense Department would still run, but the Homeland Security Department, except for essential services, would be affected by a government shutdown. And I guess the bipartisan committee over the loss of President H.W. Bush lasted 30 or 40 seconds after the funeral, and, and they were back to normal. But before we get to some of the specifics, I wanted to ask you about that bipartisan effort with a joint special select committee that was looking at budget reform in Congress. They had a report ready to go, but they couldn't vote it out of their own committee. That's right. This was a so-called super committee. I think we've thrown that term around in the past, where it was an equal number of Republicans and Democrats from both chambers, four Democrats and Republicans from each. And the committee was supposed to look at the budget process, the appropriations process, and recommend some changes. So they had this voting process where at least half the Republicans and at least half the Democrats had to agree on any sort of proposal for it to move forward. What they came up with, although there was some bipartisanship and some agreement, didn't reach that threshold. Now, one of the big things they wanted to do was a two-year budget resolution. So even though the annual appropriations bill would have, or appropriations process would have stayed, Congress would have done budget planning in a two-year cycle. Um, that's some, some people have been pushing for biennial budgeting and appropriating for a long time, but they focused on the budget process. Now, that wouldn't have stopped them from having, for example, annual reconciliation bills where they can use a process in the Senate to get things through by simple majority votes. But it would have at least allowed Congress to set a little certainty for two years, um, which, by the way, we've kind of been living that way ever since the Budget Control Act was put into place, as we've had these two-year deals to adjust the budget caps upwards to allow more spending. The law that was signed in earlier this year to create this committee was such a deal where they increased the budget cap. So um, I don't think that the ideas necessarily are dead, but this process that they set up isn't going to move forward. Interestingly, the uh, chairman and the ranking Democrat of the House Budget Committee took the recommendations that were more dealing with the House, put those into a separate piece of legislation and introduced that. We'll have to see what happens um, to that piece of legislation now. So the whole idea then of these of this kind of budget reform is not really dead yet, it just on maybe pause because of calendar and politics. 
Absolutely. And some of the internal changes to the House, um, things like changing the term limits for budget committee members, the House could do that unilaterally when it sits down next year to adopt rules for the Congress. Um, but we'll have to see if this biennial budgeting, which would require a legal change and agreement from both chambers, we'll have to see what its fate is in uh, the coming session. We're speaking with Lauren Duggan, editorial director of Bloomberg Government. What will happen with respect to the budget now in the next couple of weeks? Because not only does the year run out, but the session and the 115th runs out. Well, I think the key thing is this bipartisan meeting coming between President Trump and minority leader, at least for now, Nancy Pelosi, and then her Senate counterpart, um, Chuck Schumer. They're going to go over to the White House and talk to President Trump. Now, they've made a deal pretty famously recently, um, I believe it was last year, to keep the government open and move things forward. So a lot of eyes will be glued on this meeting and its outcome to see what sort of agreement they can come to. Um, It sounds like a lot of the details about six of the seven outstanding bills are pretty close, and they, with a deadline in particular, could probably work those out. If it's all going to come down to the funding of the wall and perhaps how you define the wall in whatever funding package they come up with, um, that'll be where I think a lot of the energy will be focused. Um, And that bill will probably be the last train moving, whatever it is, and will be an attractive target for other committees and members of Congress trying to get their things through before the end of the year. And it might sound like petticoats and spats, but is anyone talking about the deficit these days on Capitol Hill? doesn't seem to be the focus of the discussion. And it's an interesting question going into next year where um, you are going to have a Democratic House and a Republican Senate. And sometimes when you have divided government, that's when deficit issues become even more in focus. So we'll be watching very closely for that, for sure. And what about confirmations in the next couple of weeks? I mean, there is the Merit Systems Protection Board. That seems to be kind of dead for now until the next year. And uh, there's nobody on the Postal Service Board of Governors and and so on. Well, that's certainly been one of Majority Leader Mitch McConnell's main focuses is trying to churn nominations through. The House went away for the entire week um, for the George H.W. Bush funeral. The Senate was in a couple of days and did push through. The head of the CFPB was looking at some judicial nominations. There's the Deputy Secretary of the Treasury Department this week. So Mitch McConnell is trying to use his precious floor time as carefully as he can to push through the controversial ones and also working with Chuck Schumer and the Democrats to come up with a package behind the scenes of less controversial nominees that they could probably push through relatively quickly. Um, the Senate, it's amazing when, when the end of the year comes and there's a lot to do, things can happen pretty quickly. But floor time is so precious that if there is going to be extended debate or he has to schedule a vote on, say, the Farm Bill Conference report or an eventual spending deal, that might crowd out some of the more controversial nominees between now and the end of the year. But coming back next year, Mitch McConnell knows he has two more seats on his side, 53-47 next year, instead of 51-49 now, his job will get a little easier as you know the, the vote of one individual senator is less important, um, given that he has a little bit of a cushion. And with respect to the departure of John Kelly, the White House chief of staff, does that have any effect on White House congressional relationships at this point? It could. I mean, there's also the the legislative affairs team that does a lot of the legwork there. But depending on who's picked to be the next um, chief of staff, one of the names floated has been Mark Meadows, head of the House Freedom Caucus, one of the kind of 
true conservative and very conservative members of the House GOP conference, um, that could that could have an effect on the eventual relationship between the White House and Capitol Hill. But, um, you know, the who is as important as the what in terms of the person picked versus the job that he or she is doing. Lauren Duggett is editorial director of Bloomberg Government. Thanks so much. Thank you. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to The Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. 56 past the hour. This is The Federal Drive with Tom Temin. For the latest updates, stay with federalnewsnetwork.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn.